0: Hello and welcome to Risk and Failure. You are tuning in after we've had a two-week hiatus of sorts. I think it's three weeks. Mick thinks it's a week and a half. I'm not sure I have half a week. But the truth is, we've had a couple of weeks of not being able to get things lined up, either not being in the same place or having a recording that just went to crap. And it was at mine. We couldn't fix it. So we are back. We're sorry for the delay. I'm Mark Dobson. I'm here with my very good friend. Well, actually not here. He's on the other side of the world. Mick, my friend, how are you? Good, mate. How are you doing? Well, pretty good. I've missed you, although I did talk to you, but I've missed our listeners. We didn't get to hang out with them, so a little bit frustrating for everybody. A little bit frustrating for us. I feel like it's the first time we dropped the ball in six months of doing this.
1: Yeah, it was, and it's frustrating to, I don't know, feel like we wrapped up a good conversation and then uh, not be able to share it with anybody, but hey, the world moves on. And uh, so did you get a chance to listen last week to the little shortster that I did?
0: I did. I listened to the little bit that you did. You were actually quite good. You were quite animated and To the point and succinct, I reckon you must have had notes. No, no notes. Did you just bust that out, because you just know it so well? I was like, this guy's like an encyclopedia on this topic. Well,
1: I thought about it a lot. I didn't actually have any notes. That's funny. But um, I did did it a couple of times. Like, I I just sort of recorded it once and then re-listened to it, and it was... It kept at the same length, interestingly, but anyway, I yeah, I, I think I did it one or two or three times and just kind of tweaked a couple of things and then just did it. To...
0: Well, all you kids at home, you should try that. Try making, like, I think it was a seven-minute piece, uh, roughly yours, Mick, and I did a 20-minute one the other day. You should just try recording something that is interesting for seven, between seven and 20 minutes. It's bloody hard. Even for three minutes, mate. Oh. We, we haven't done it once yet. <laughs> We we fail on these fifty minute ones all the
1: time. <laughs> our goal is usually eight to nine minutes, and so far, we're, our best ever is like forty two. <laughs> it is a challenging thing to do, and um, yeah, I was a little bit intimidated by doing it. It's not so difficult to record it, obviously, but it's just the the, the uploading part that's a little bit more intimidating. Because like, oh geez, what are people going to think? Is this you know, feels un, unlike me? But I don't know it. it uh, I think is a a really beneficial thing to do, to do something like that. And just to let you know, the way I did it, I just jumped on my iPhone and I put record and I used my earphones for my, my hands free and just recorded straight into it and put it into Dropbox and put it onto the podcast. So it's a pretty easy thing to do. Good way to catch your thoughts when you're driving.
0: That's incredible that it was so simple. And last week when we recorded, the audio was so bad. I probably had $500, well, actually maybe $800 worth of equipment.
1: Plus you're four sound engineers, so.
0: So, this the topic is, why am I making progress? And that can apply to any aspect of life. But I guess it came about because in the conversation that we had didn't go to air. Like, I turned 41 a couple of weeks ago, and for, turning 41 crap. 40 is fine because they tell you there's a crisis. But there's not a crisis, there's a party. And so, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then you get to 41 and there's no party. And you, start, you can see 50. Now, for all you people that are older than 41, you're going, oh, 41's young. Well, that's fine. But I haven't had that experience yet. But it was really challenging. And all the people that are younger going, yeah, 41's old. I'm like, well, that hurt. But it's something we're not in control of. But as a result, though, it was a very big reflective period for me the last three weeks. Like all birthdays are, but some are just a bit more confronting and... I really had a long, long look at so many aspects of my life, and i have probably not finished looking at them. And I had to get to a point where I, where I asked myself, I guess, at some, what point, Mark, do you do not deny the evidence that in this area of your life, you're not getting a different result? It's not, a oh, it'll play out soon, or this just hasn't happened, or I'm working on that. At what point do you go, No. Nah how are you going about it? it doesn't work. And that's when, Mick, you brought up the topic of the leap of faith or, you know, another way to put it is like the assumption, like what assumptions are we building our lives on or our businesses on that aren't actually known. So I've gone through this epic couple of weeks of trying to work out what are assumptions and what do I fundamentally have to change, whether it be a behaviour or a line of thinking or an attitude or maybe it's just appreciation, maybe everything's going fine or great. You know, it's maybe it's a worldview. Just among the that, I try to go, well, what, where am I making progress and where am I not making progress and how am I going to increase progress? Because progress is addictive when it's in a healthy direction, obviously. It's been big. And and one of the things that I'm really aware of is accountability. A lot of what we achieve in life is sometimes it's passion driven, but it's often driven because we have to deliver something for someone else and we don't want to let them down. Or we have an obligation to deliver that um, like if you didn't have to go to work nine to five you wouldn't necessarily go and sometimes you'd be bored so you'd want to go so the accountability has been the thing
1: yeah that's interesting and when you when you say accountability do you mean accountability to yourself or to other people maybe it's the same thing but I'm not sure quite how you're framing that
0: so you can have a certain level of accountability to yourself for example so you clean your house and you keep it clean because that's how you like it. So you've got a kind of like a standard that you'd set. But the truth is if you've got guests coming over, you usually do more. Or also the, the sustainability of that accountability. I <laughs> think two big words. The sustainability of that self-accountability is, I think it lacks some potency. I think that you know, like with, when you got homework due, you could be accountable. I'm going to deliver all my assignments during the year, but sooner or later, there has to be a deadline for that stuff. Otherwise, it doesn't get done. You know, if your school teacher said you can hand up that assignment anytime you want, Nick, in your life, you just you'd never do it. I think, yeah, you're
1: right. It's that uh, you talked about it in a previous episode when we're talking about productivity and that principle. I can't remember who it's named after of, you know, a task will take exactly, you know, as long as the time that's allotted to it. So I think that there's some truth in that, but I think it extends beyond deadlines, quite honestly. And I think it extends to,
0: I don't know what other facets there are, but it's... um, Well, there's really three things. And accountability is one for getting some sort of like completion to a task. And accountability means that you're, like, you're going to be your ass kicked if you don't deliver. But that is only can really be measured by somebody if there's a deadline. So, we go, oh, either before you didn't get it done by Saturday or you did get it done by Saturday. It's very black and white. But there also has to be some sort of measure. So, if you're going to mow the lawn and you've got to do it on Saturday, and if you don't do it on Saturday, decades kicks your ass. But there also has to be a measure about how well the lawn's done. So, sometimes mowing the lawn is just like, running the mar over, but then sometimes you get the whippersnapper out and there's some sort of like, there's a quality control. So, it's not just about accountability. And I had that experience this week where Matt in the States asked me for a document about my business and the document was very complex. It had video links and all sorts of referencing. And like, I just went ferocious for two days on this thing, just ferocious. I got probably, if I didn't have that deadline, it would have taken me months, but I just went berserk. And the reason was, I just would not have let Matt down. When he asked for it, I said, "You'll have it Monday." There was no way I would not have lost face. And I think that's a personal—that's your personal accountability for how you expect to be seen and how you judge yourself.
1: I do definitely agree on the the deadline stuff, but yeah, that accountability of, of the nothing would happen. Well, that, those were two of them, though. Do you think there's a third one? Were you saying, or did I just did I miss one? The measure,
0: the measure, or the account, the, the measure, or the quality control. Okay, okay, the. The definition of what it is, right? Yeah, you know, there needs to be a measurable. And if it's really done really well, it should be the sort of thing where somebody else can walk in and not know you and have three boxes that they can tick to assess you. Was it done on the deadline? Tick. Is it done to this particular standard? Whatever that measure was, it needs, it needs to be quite clear. Tick. And the accountability one is: well, if you didn't do those two, then you are now going to experience this.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I've I've had similar experiences over the last few weeks myself, actually. Because I don't have a lot of employees. I'm at that critical juncture where I've got field employees, people that do stuff out on job sites, but no one really in the office. And um, part of that is because when you bring somebody in at the office, it's overhead, meaning unless that person is billing somebody for their time, you've got to cover the cost of them. So you know, as a business owner, you're trying to do that as little as possible sometimes. And I've been fine and good with that. But I recently, well, you know, I got an intern that started with us and uh, I, I found the same thing. It was sort of like Friday of last week. I got the notice that interns starting Monday, we had a f- quick phone call Monday and um, I realized that already on Monday, she was like, "What do you What do you want me to do?" And she was working remotely. So this this was actually through a, a uh, I wouldn't say a grant, but sort of a, a thing through the, our state and innovation type thing. So it's R and D type stuff. So it's a
0: prisoner reform program. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, and I'm the one being reformed. But we, yeah, I did the same thing. Like Monday night. I blasted out tons of content, and I was saying to her, "Look, I'm just going to give you some just quick, easy stuff to you know just jump into. It might be kind of a lot of Google stuff, but jump around on the internet. Just you know, just might feel like a waste of time, but just jump in, and then we'll have a frame of reference." And she was like, "Oh my goodness, you gave me like a week's worth of stuff." And I was like, "Oh really? That's good." But I've realised this more because you know I'm looking to hire other people as well, and was suddenly realising that not having that sometimes yeah, you do get a little bit relaxed in your own work because there's nobody that is walking in saying either what do I do next or, you know, you've, you've got to keep the wheels turning fast enough to keep them going as well. I think there's some opportunity in that, that sometimes as a solopreneur, and I don't quite consider myself a solopreneur, but I'm pretty close to it, you know, you don't get the benefit of. I've definitely been having that problem.
0: Definitely been having that challenge. Like, because as much as I've got freedom, there are some, and I do deliver because, you know, as a writer, you just, that's all I'm writing or producing, but you, you've got these times when you do just, you just get obsessed and you just unleash. There's other times when there's, there's aspects of the business or aspects of life that don't move forward because it doesn't have that ingredient in it. Like, it just doesn't. And, you know, I, I can look at some areas where especially for, you know, opportunity for, you know, extra income, say, or, oh, well, look, look, a classic one would be, if, you know, especially if you're younger and you're going, you don't ask anybody on a date until there's a party where you're meant to bring someone. You, you know, so you can not make progress like that. And I know a lot of women, particularly in my age bracket that, you know, their body clock's ticking and so they feel this deadline. Now, it's not always a great deadline because it also can restrict you. Like it's like when someone goes to the Olympics and they've got to swim at a certain a certain day, and they go. This is my one chance, and that, and that, that pressure of accountability and a looming deadline of, you know, to deliver can actually restrict and can actually bring fear. But I find, as a sole entrepreneur, if you, for want of a better term, sole operator, there are some things which are more difficult to put deadlines and measures around. I
1: agree, although I gotta admit, I feel like the deadline. And, you know, the accountability and the measurability is task-oriented stuff. I don't feel like that applies to life, meaning business or relationships or sport. But what I feel like you were just talking about earlier was risk. And I think there's something far more significant that maybe is correlated with what are you doing? I'm not saying you, but maybe you, I don't know. What are you doing that scares you? Or maybe, maybe the better word is excites you. I don't, I don't know. But do you know what I mean? Like when that stuff doesn't exist, I feel like that's when I don't feel like I'm making enough progress. Cause I don't feel like I've got enough on the line. I, I'm not like, I'm-
0: but see when you haven't got enough on the line, it, I'm proposing I'm not saying it's limited to this because when I've done work, there's always these subtleties. But when you go, you haven't got enough on the line, that's either accountability, that there's a consequence of you not delivering. Yeah, it's, it's some level of accountability. You know, something could go right or wrong. I agree, which really we're probably talking about the same thing. because what- It's interesting when you said risk because I wouldn't, I didn't language it like that or hear it like that, but there's, there's merit in that because someone said to me the other day, they said, well, how much risk have you got in your life? And although – some people would look at lives like you and I have where we're independent and go, there's a lot of risk there. But I look at them having a full-time job and I'm like, there's way more risk there because you can lose all of your income if you don't have that job. So it's a perceived risk. One of the things I said in response, I was like, yeah, one of the things I'd like to do is put myself in a position where I could risk my happiness. <laughs> where, you know, like it's it could go either way. I could be really sad on this, but I could actually be really happy as a response if I nail it. sounds a little bit extreme, but it's just about that excitement
1: aspect. I don't know. There's something about the risk in when we have more risk. It's just that emotion or something, that supercharged. uh, I think it comes down to that feeling of, you know, when you're getting chased by a dog or whatever, you just kind of step into a different gear and, I don't know what that is. I'm sure that there's a psychological, whatever term for it, and a chemical, and all of those things. But I think that only comes when you have one of those sort of not moments, but when you step into a path
0: of like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. It does it engage you? It, it, it just engages you. at such a unique level, and the adrenaline kicks in. And but a lot, of, I've got a lot of friends actually that have that have got some level of fatigue, and it turns out that it's like it's like an adrenal fatigue. It's actually that they've been. Having so many of those excitements, so many of those deadlines, so many of those big projects that the adrenaline kicks in to get you going, but then it's not necessarily healthy to always be like that. Yeah, so so this is true. And that's where I like what you said before about, you know, I'm not sure if life works like that. I agree. It's like we can have this conscious decision about our business or our health or even relationships, but then there's also life is just sort of organically delivering all these. It's creating sometimes to rest because – you know, it's always funny when I see hear people live cliches, like, you know, live every moment to its fullest and, you know, dance like nobody's watching. I'm like, just seriously? Do you do that? Do people actually do that? Like, so when I wake up and I'm a bit weary and I'm walking to get some toast and I'm looking a bit rough, am I meant to be like, oh, I'm going to live this second to the fullest? I'm like, settle down, just take a chill pill. You know, I find it's not, not accurate. And so there's time for adrenaline and there's a time for comfort. What I realize is that, you know, I probably have achieved the things that I wanted to achieve. And now that I'm here, I've got to reassess them and just say, do I want this going forward? What's the next updated model? And therefore, I'm going to have to let go of some stuff. But I'm also going to have to put myself in positions where I'm far more accountable. And one of the questions that Ryan asked me, he said, well, you know, because quite a few people I don't know that have been very successful, but one of the reasons they're so driven is that they've got so much debt and they're paying it off. And there's good debt and there's bad debt. And if you don't know the distinction, people, good debt is when when you've borrowed money, it's building an entity that will make more money. So when you've paid it off, you've actually got a significant stream of income or you've made a lot more money than you ever could have without taking that, borrowing it. Bad debt is when you're paying it off. And when you're paying it off, even when it's paid off, you're nowhere in advance. You're actually backwards because you paid off the fee plus interest, right? So Ryan says to me, well, Mark, have you thought about deliberately going into debt? And I'm like, I don't like debt. I want to do it because I don't enjoy the adrenaline of the accountability sometimes if it's unless I know I can do it. And, and he said, well, is there anything that you would take out a loan for? And the only thing I could think of was the business venture which revolves around this new, the online trainings and the TV studio to build my own TV studio so that we could just churn out content. And that got me excited. But it was an interesting question, the question of like, what would you take a loan out for? Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? So I wouldn't take a loan out for um to buy a boat because I would just feel like I'd go backwards doing that. Like, it'd be like a gluttony. But does that question resonate for you too, does it?
1: Yeah, it does because I don't feel like I'm prepared to step into that kind of risk in terms of, say, if you're talking financial, unless it's designed to take me someplace next. Like, for instance, for me right now, I don't think I would just jump into a new degree and and try to go get a master's in something because I don't have any plan for how that would take me to another level that I could see a return on. I'm not saying it's a wasted investment for anybody by any stretch of the imagination. But for me right now, that would be very difficult. I would probably lose a lot of money because I would spend huge amounts of time outside of my business doing that. And unless I was doing something that my business couldn't move to the next level, unless I have that qualification or that insight or that understanding of how to do the research that I need to write the book I want to write, like that would be different. So I would take on the debt to do that. So I would take on debt for a building if I knew that that was a great strategy that's going to catapult me to the next step of something, but I wouldn't just go out and do it because I want to fill the building. So I think there's a difference between creating a solution before there's a problem.
0: Do you know what you mean? <laughs> it's like, like a, cause I, I was like, where'd solution come from? Like uh, A solution before a problem? Uh, if you were just going to like,
1: oh, I'm going to go out and just buy a building and I don't know what I'm going to do with the building, but I'm just going to fill it I either put people in it or I'm going to rent it. I'm going to do it up and flip it, but I'm just going to go out and get a building. But if you're driving by the building and you see something and you see this unique vision and it just hits you and it's like, feels like an alignment and you go, shit, I could do something really interesting with this. And it's just positioned right where it should be. And I've never thought of this before. I need to do this. That would be different because you 've seen you 've seen an opportunity that would respond to like solving a problem that you 're aware of, do you know what I mean
0: yeah there's a return on investment like you get and I like that we said about vision because that 's one of the things that I realized there was a vision that i 've had since I was about eighteen, and i haven 't built it and i 'm frustrated, and it's sort of the technical aspects are just outside of my skill set, and I just haven't known how to build a vision and, it's, it's, and I think a lot of people have this where they're saving up for a house but it's not their dream house and the reason they're buying something that's not their dream house or doing the job they're not doing is because they actually don't know how to get to or create the thing that they dream of. I could put in place some accountability and a deadline and a measure to say build this thing but I could fail dismally because I fundamentally don't have the skill set or, or the nature deliver on certain components of that. And that's where I've learned that the partnerships are really important, is teaming up with people who have got the skill set where you don't have it. But that's a very tricky exercise because we try to force and create those relationships. People contact me all the time going, hey, you're really good at this. I've got this project. We should do this together. And I don't really care about that project. And But people often don't say that. They go, yes, but you've, after a while, you realize you don't really have the team. And I've found that there needs to be this sort of natural flow. So, even one of the guys I'm coaching in the States at the moment, he says he needs a lawyer. And I said, well, no, hang on. I said, if you need a lawyer, don't necessarily try to find one. Just hold the question open. Deliberately say, meet as many lawyers as you can over the next, say, six weeks. Just see if you can have a coffee with a few. So, that when it's time to get one, at least you've got not one that you know, you've met six or seven and you can think of which one you like the most. But if you meet a lawyer and go, I need a lawyer and you eat, I said, that doesn't really work like that. So, rather than trying to fill it, it's like deliberately meet people, have the awareness and hold the question. And as a result, he's just responding, he goes, actually, so-and-so knows a lawyer and he's going to have coffee with him next week anyway. And once he had this awareness, he started to realise it was actually happening anyway. And I've definitely found with my partnerships is that like I've known Ryan forever and then we look like doing this project together. And it was just that I hadn't come up to speed with the clarity of the vision and the like. I was the piece out because he's been having the idea for ages and it's like it's like it just hadn't come around yet. And that's one of the other frustrations of life is there's some components that it just takes time before they fall in your lap. And that's very frustrating because the time leading up to them, you're like, Well, what's my role? Am I meant to wait? Am I meant to participate? That's really frustrating.
1: Yeah, I when you referenced the example of the lawyer actually it actually reminded me that just this week on Monday, I had this person working for me for the first time doing this internship work. And it's it's funny because over the last couple of months, I've started getting to a point where I was like, okay, I need to actually bring somebody on board. And I have been trying to think about what role that person would be in. And really the role would be my role to replace what I do so I can go out and do something more important. You know what I mean? I just do the things that the business really needs to get to the next step because because that's what I should be doing. And so, uh, but as soon as this person was working for me, it's just interesting because I also felt compelled. It was like there was this clarity. I was like, okay, I see it. I know what this person needs to do. So I just picked up the phone and I contacted the local university and I said, I got a position to fill can you help me? And they said, sure. And send us the job description. I said, all right, I'll send it to you. So I wrote it and shared it with a couple of people to get their feedback and it's ready. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm hiring, <laughs> you know, but, but the thing is that I didn't have, I, it's not that I didn't have, a, I've been always aware of having the problem, but understanding what the problem was that I'm trying to solve to be able to get that clarity of like, not just hiring anybody. Cause if I was just intent on hiring somebody, I probably would have hired the wrong person a long time ago, like a bookkeeper or somebody to be in the office answering phones. That would have just been a dumb move for me until I finally see like, what am I doing that I don't need to be doing, but somebody else who's skilled could do this and do it well and do it better than me so that I could go out and do what I should be doing. And, but I didn't have that experience until just this week really of like, finally like tipping that point of going, okay, I like I can see what this the problem and the solution is.
0: That's what I always tell people who are in a business and they're sp- just a small business and they're going to pay seven thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars for a course. I'm like, whoa, it's too much. Because although this person might have the blueprint and the game plan and the twelve things you need to know, you can't really comprehend those until you've come to the a natural understanding of each one. It's a journey. You can't you can't really speed. That stuff up you can't speed up experience so someone could have come to you and go you need this person to do a b and c but your brain three years ago just wasn't at that space like there's just a natural flow that because i agree like you, i've hired people thinking they need to do a b and c and realized that it was just a mistake yeah that's why this progress thing is so tricky because it's this constant and look it's this constant assessment of am i living it right am i and my behavior is going to get me the outcome. And when is it just this leap of faith that says, oh, I'm sure this will work out, but when do we have data that says it? And then what I'm finding is the more I can communicate how I'm going about it to educated people and listen and watch their response and really pay attention to that is when I find out if I'm I need to maybe change my behavior. Because it's so easy to tell somebody, oh, I'm gonna get some some <laughs> I'm gonna get this person this for a birthday present. And people are like, oh, really? Do, they, do you think they'll like that? They're like, yeah, yeah, of course they will. And, and you, you're selling your idea but not listening. And I've done that before with my goals and targets and my methods for going about I'm going to do this, this, this. Someone says, yeah, but oh, haven't you thought about that? Like I would have thought and you're like, no, 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 no don't worry about it, I got it. And, and that's fine if it's coming from someone who's perhaps not as experienced in the field but if someone has got serious runs on the board, we've got to listen. I don't think I've been very good at that in the past. Not, not really. You, you, you're trying to be, but you're just. And sometimes my brash confidence has actually got me an outcome that people weren't expecting. But what I was, what I've recognised is that it's in the last few years I've become more and more surrounded by very talented people, and I haven't been used to being surrounded by talented people and listening to them. I started out being surrounded by people who were okay, and therefore it wasn't worth listening. And that's not meant to be to disrespect people, but you know, there's a. I've had to switch into going, wow, this person really knows.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you need to be looking for that too. You know, like actually finding what that what, what a person or an individual could offer you. Because sometimes I think we lose that. We just sort of like we're close to things unless somebody I think a lot of the time we're waiting for somebody else to say that person could really help you, that credibility without giving the credibility or finding the credibility ourselves. So, you know, we don't find those opportunities half the time because we're just assuming the person can't help you. And the only reason that you sometimes will listen to them is because so-and-so said, you really should talk to this, you know. You ever had that too when somebody's like, oh, you really should meet this guy I know. He's going to, he could really help you. And it's it's so easy for us to be like, yeah, nah, he's not going to get it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do, do you have that? Oh, my God. I've got a list of people I should – you know, when you just said that, I went sick in the stomach because I go, oh, there's about five people I meant to call for exactly that. So, I go, oh, you should meet so-and-so. And they usually fit in different categories. Some of them, they go, oh, he does the same stuff as you. You should really talk. I'm like, well, if he does the same stuff as me, why? Do, I don't know why I want to talk to him. Like maybe, but it just doesn't feel right. But there's other times people go, this would be an incredible partnership. You guys could work together because he does this and you do that and they are a match. And you could build something bigger. I'm like, oh, that interests you. Other time, they're a potential client. But yeah, it does it all the time. And I guess I still go, just because somebody said it doesn't mean I have to go right now. Like it, Because people follow these leads or these ideas. And I go, well, if it doesn't feel good, it's not necessarily the way. Like There'll be a day when I'll just want to call those people and I will. But I tend to not rush them because... Like I tend to just do my best to follow what would feel good or feel fulfilling. So if I'm calling them out of guilt, that can't possibly bring around anything significant uh, because it doesn't have a natural momentum.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you really stop and think about when you meet with somebody that's truly what you might consider to be a role model or a mentor or a big decision maker that you highly respect, I feel like the hit or miss rate of even people – in those positions that say, I think you should meet with this person and you just do because you respect them so much. I I don't necessarily feel that those hit and miss rates are that much better than anything else, I guess. You know, I just think at the end of the day, you know, you go into it assuming it's going to be good. And if anything, you get disappointed when it's not, or you look too hard for it because you just assume it's going to work. And it's almost the exact opposite. And
0: But also, I think sometimes with these people, we have a box that we think they're going to fit into, that we think they're going to become a client or that we think that they're going to um, be, you know, our mentor or there's going to be some sort of amazing relationship undervaluing all the other subtleties that happen in life where there's, you know, three years from now, you can be talking to someone and they say, oh, yeah, I've got this friend in this other company. Go, Yeah, I had lunch with them like a few years ago. And that's all it needed. Or there was something, there was one bit of wisdom they said that comes up later. Like we we sometimes don't respect the entire fabric or expecting all our eggs to be delivered to us from one basket. And life's like this fabric. And that's helped me understanding that. That's helped me to, in all my relationships, to put less pressure on them. Like it's like friendship. Like you, you don't get all your friendship needs met from one friend. Like it's just, you don't. There's some friends that are particularly funny and you want to go out in the town with them. There's other people that... Well, that, And that same person may not be ca- capable of having the complexity of a conversation when you're really struggling. I know when I renovated my house, you know, I found out who was who had a bit of a work ethic and pick up the tools, who would come and help. And it wasn't many, right? And then there's other times when, uh, you know, I've like had some sort of new thing that I'm trying to launch or business venture get off the ground and everybody's on deck. And so, you... There's different friends and I think that if we start to see these are people that we meet, it's really just being open to how it might play out, like there's a flow to not try to box it because we get annoyed when they don't deliver the one thing we were hoping that they would, then we get annoyed at them and that means that we don't necessarily, well, first off, we make ourselves miserable because we don't create the opportunity for the gratitude of something else that they bring. We're just noticing what they didn't bring as if we're wiser than life and we can see the strategy. Rookie mistake.
1: But at the same time, I don't know. Uh, I don't like to steer the conversation too heavily in the sort of because I don't think it's related to meeting the right person. I don't think that the accountability necessarily comes in finding the right person to keep you motivated. Which sometimes I think we look we look to the solution too much in other people. But I really do feel like it comes down to how much do you feel like I don't know if putting yourself on the line is the right term? But how much risk do we have in our lives not the kind of risk that we've talked about before as being not you know doing incredible backflips or you know doing scary risky no fear stuff like i'm i'm just talking about stuff that feels like your knees are shaking as you're doing it that's the stuff that i think f- makes us feel more alive and Perhaps that's the solution to that feeling of stagnation.
0: It's to take a risk. But the thing is we don't even recognize what behavior or attitude or decision we have to change that would let that risk in. Like we talked about this at the start of the year. I said, well, should I just shift house, you know, go live in Bali? That would change everything, but then that's not necessarily a smart risk. So see, that would come back to creating the solution before the problem's there. Well, the problem is, though, that there's not enough risk.
1: Mm, But that's not really the problem. I'm not saying for you, but I feel like that the problem for somebody is going to be much deeper than that. It's going to be related to, in in my case, if I were to try to identify the problem that I've found, I was like, hmm, I didn't realize that I was being held back by a fear of hiring people and having people want to know what to do next.
0: Yeah, but were you really scared of that or were you just not ready for that? Both. Yes, and if you're just not ready then No, it's I've not been a fear. It's like a No, no, it. Been, it would have been stupid for you to hide someone if you weren't ready. You would have just lost money. But I'm more than ready to manage
1: somebody. I've managed over 100 people before, but I so I'm not afraid of that. I'm I'm more I think it's the intimidation of going to the next level. So perhaps the question is what
0: – what uh, Do you want to change your lifestyle?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was that, but I, I think something, there's something about it that makes it even more real, more – there's more on the line. And, and there's you grow a bigger organization, and that challenges – not only the risk of having people that you need to put bread on the table for, but also it does challenge, yeah, your lifestyle to the extent that what if I don't want this? Like what if I bring a whole bunch of people on and find that that's really not what I wanted?
0: Yeah, see, that's what I mean. It's like you have to give something up. You have to give part of your lifestyle You have to change something and, and we like our life.
1: There'd be no incentive to change that. However, for me, the only reason I, I think I'm getting the next step on it is because I've identified something that
0: if I don't, I don't get that thing that I want to move towards. Right, and that's where vision is so crucial. About, and that's why I probably found when you know turning 41, I looked at the vision that I had and I go, "Well, I haven't created this vision. If I don't look at that vision, then I'm not frustrated." But if I look at that vision, I have this tension. I go, right, I've got to change some behaviours. And Robbins puts it really well. He says, you know, comfort is the enemy. As soon as you're comfortable, you're in trouble. Because comfort doesn't have enough pleasure or enough pain. So, there's not fulfilment in it, but there's also not enough pain to make you change your behaviour. And it was interesting when I turned 41 to go, wow, like, I am seriously looking at how I live and my life. And by many people's standards... It'd be great. And it is great. Like, I enjoy my life. It's it's fantastic. But I'm also going, yeah, but you got a bigger vision, Mark. And that's, in some areas, that's not been created. And I'm like, come on, Dobson, get onto it. And I'm like, what, what am I going to, you know, but I also don't know. And that's what I was saying before. I was like, I don't necessarily know how. Every time I keep trying this, I keep failing. So, I need to take a different approach. And then what's the approach? And the one that was important to me was accountability, but also partnership. But that's why there's this harmony, which we talked about in a few episodes. That one I did on my own, I showed the, the framework. I was like, well, what's the vision? What's the daily behaviors? And, and, and what is the core purpose behind all of that? And it's a constant refinement of those things because you, you do, you create it. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, but I'm not creating enough. Or there's not enough progress or enough momentum or bigger steps. Sometimes the, just the progress is just sort of a bit piddly.
1: Yeah, I think the partnership thing is a good one, although the, I think that's a selective one too, in my opinion, in terms of um, I've I've also, in in conjunction with all of this stuff we're talking about, I, I've also been in discussions with, say, like a company where there's an opportunity, uh, strategic partnership-based, and it's a potentially big opportunity, but it's fairly long-term. I sort of feel like um, th- that is... Very much something that as soon as like the conversations begin, it's like, okay, it's already a ball that begins to roll down a hill and it's going. You don't have a choice. You just got to move. But if I'm sitting with my body and going, we should do this together, I'm not saying that there's not true accountability to that, but there's got to be another element to it that gets you both feeling like, holy crap, because otherwise it just sits there and fizzles.
0: Like I look at the project with Ryan and I looking at, we're just mapping out the vision right now. We're just sending documents back and forth to each other to get clear, go, yeah, this is what we want to build. There comes a point when the idea has momentum. Like sometimes we've all done this where we chat and we go, hey, that's a good idea. We should do that. And then it doesn't happen. But then there's some ideas that linger. And because and then that lingering is important. And the first thing that Ryan and I are doing at the moment is creating a vision. And in the on the journey, we've also got a deadline. Like we both have this part of the vision going, this would have to be built by the end of the year. So, that, that's, the, I guess, the deadline component, the vision component. The next part, the accountability bit is that if Ryan was going to invest his time and I was going to invest my time, neither of us would let the other down. It just, we just will not let each other down because we'd be embarrassed to have too much respect for each other. So, then it comes down to the, lastly, is the measure. Like, well, how much is this going to happen? And I started to build the vision quite big and Ryan's like, can we just pick two or three things? Like, let's just keep this small, get it delivered. I think those are the ingredients that when I'm going through the journey, I experience on top of what we've got to deliver to someone else needs to be something that's inside our nature. And Ryan and I probably know each other well enough and ourselves well enough to know which bits we're good at and which bits we're not and to be able to have the conversations around that. So I feel like, you know, when you have ideas with your friends and they don't gain momentum, I, I feel like it's just fine to have an idea. But it's different when you come across something that feels like a calling <laughs> where you just, you're no longer in control of this. Something else is, is bigger. And it's an idea that just has been in your head for a long time. It's not going away. Uh-huh. But then it comes to have some sort of intelligent game plan as well.
1: Well, look, if you look at this project, when you and I started talking, we put down six, seven, maybe eight episodes before we even got to a point where we were going to launch one. And I don't remember if it was part of an actual episode or not, because there's a few that we just canned. And I do remember a conversation we had early on where I had said to you, I'm in a position where I feel like I'm at a juncture where we're losing momentum. And if we don't make a significant step forward, it's going to start to fizzle backwards. And for us, that was like, we need to just get this thing live. And that was, and you were like, well, I'll tell you, you know what I, and, and I had identified at the time that like the website was the problem. And I was trying to get the website figured out and I just couldn't get over the line with it. And that was demotivating. And this is the stuff that happens. You see this so much. And it's just that demotivating task just gets the better of the whole project. And then it begins to lose momentum. And then you get to the point where, it's both it's two friends can just say uh you know it let, let's just re let's just give it some time or revisit this in a month and then two months and four months and it just it's cool you just move on right but it's it's very hard to do that with somebody that is not a friend it's just it's an opportunity and if you're not responding to the
0: opportunity yes yeah, true they're it's literally true. knocking on the door going hey what the hell but we didn't we didn't revisit in two or three months what we did is that it, you said, you know, the webpage wasn't going forward. And I was like, stuff the webpage, just just put any kind of crap up and just make it happen. And then, so there for a while, we had the ugliest web page in the world. And, you know, we obviously did. But then, well, I also believe that when we have a task like that, and it's just not moving forward, but we think it's crucial, got to go, it's probably not the task. It's not very different than when you're cleaning your, your house. Like, there's some big things that you could do to make a big impact. And you start with a big impact and then you go to the detail. Um, well, at least I do. I would with any task to get something up and going. And sometimes, you know, you've said it before, but don't go for perfection. Just go for like getting something done. Yes. Don't, don't, don't just get started.
1: But that's where it turned, you know, just being able to get it online. That turned it into accountability. See, now you and I are both bound by having that community, so to speak, right? So that keeps it going. If we didn't have that,
0: this project
1: would probably not have continued,
0: right? Right. We feel. I feel responsible to you to turn up every week and vice versa, but bigger than that, well, we do, but bigger than that, we feel responsible to the community now because – even if there's like three regular listeners, we don't want to let them down because they have invested in us. They've, they've, they look forward to it. They have a hope for us. Now, if somebody had a hope that I was going to come around and vacuum the house every week, you no, know, I'd go, no, because that, that wouldn't be the same because was not inside my nature. It's not inside the vision. It's not inside the dream. But it fundamentally does come down to a certain level of accountability. And I, I probably just found that this week. I was like, I saw areas where I didn't have accountability. And therefore, those areas of my life were just not moving forward. Like the strategy I was using was fundamentally not risky enough. I kept on saying I've got it, and I'm like, well, Mark, you haven't got it because you haven't got the outcome there. So you've got to take a different approach. And that's where a little bit what you were saying before with hiring someone—you know—you have to give up aspects of your life. Like that's where I've got—I had to say to myself, what am I prepared to give up? Yeah, you know, the accountability was ingredient. Well, the question, if you like, that sort of pointed out what I needed to give up. Um, it had a ripple effect through. Mm, it's big, man. It's
1: big. It sure is, mate. But I think you nailed it when you talked about the, I mean, I think we've nailed it in, in terms of the, the risky part of it. I mean, that's, that's I think, where the formula is.
0: So now I've got a few little things that I want to, I'm just going to give it a week and then I'm going to pull the trigger and put some big things in place. But I'm also realizing that some of the, Big things I'm going to pull in the trigger. That the decisions I'm going to make, just to you know, put myself in a counter position. I'm checking those, like you said, with the you know the leap of faith discussion. I'm checking those with educated people and saying, is this the plan? Like it's in, it's fascinating when I put it in front of Brad and Ryan. They've both got two totally different views. Not not that it don't oppose each other, but they're two viewpoints. It's said, wouldn't you do, need this? And he's and then the other one's like, wouldn't you do that? And you're like oh, yeah, like, and then you get a complete picture. Like, I even had this this proposal I had to do. I was telling a few people about it. I'll write about it. Told Pete about it. And then I mentioned to Brad. And Brad's first question was, how much money is involved? I was like, I hadn't even <laughs> checked what budget the customer had. I've gotten all idealistic. I was, like, feeling like a dill, an idiot. Like, in, in smaller projects, I would check. And this one, they were like, we want to build this huge thing. And I'm like, all right, we'd have to do this, 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 this. And he just said, what's their budget? And I was like, I cannot believe I didn't ask that. What did he do for Spray? But that's a classic example where, you know, I've got the strength to be able to deliver what they need, but, you know, but not necessarily ask, you know, not necessarily build out the other, do the other aspects of it. Mm. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. So, yeah, next week I'll have some big decisions made.
1: Excellent. Hey, we, uh, just announcement wise, we're, uh, we're on Twitter, mate. Did you know that? Oh, does the world know? <laughs> they do now. I think, uh, it's just like Facebook when it started, there's like you're following and I'm following. <laughs> oh, I just never go on Twitter. I just don't care. Well, I'm a little bit the same, but I'm keen to learn it and understand it because look, it's got
0: to be done. All right. You know, that's fine. Like, I don't know if it's gonna be done. If you want to do it, I don't care. But there's people out there. No, that-
1: no, 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 I'm not saying it's got to be done in terms of. I, I just like I feel like I need to understand it because I can't. I can't like formulate the whole picture of how this stuff works without getting involved in that. But so our handle, our handle is at risk failure. Couldn't get risking, so it's just risk failure, and it's funny because i I was like I've been trying to figure it out to wo- how it works, and you've been like the only person that i can <laughs> try it on so i'm like doing these like i'm tweeting you <laughs> like nothing's happening so. i
0: just don't go on i just don't care well i'm at uh, i think i'm you're yeah live like a freak or like it fr- yeah, yeah live, live like, like a freak, freak i think it is and yeah hashtag so awesome hashtag everybody look at my world hashtag i've got these cool things to say about other people hashtag who gives a shit like live your own life. but Well, if you could kindly go
1: in and just like retweet what I'm saying about okay. you and about the, the episode, i just like to see what happens. Sure, Mick. I'll retweet your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Oh, yeah.
0: Retweet risking failure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cool. Like, hey, come risk failure with us. No, that's good. I oh, just... Uh, yeah, no, it's just not my case.
1: Thanks for your passionate involvement, mate. I really appreciate that support on the uh, the next step forward with Twitter, <laughs> putting my ass on the line, taking a risk.
0: Bang! Well, when I said to Mick when we started this process, I said, "Mick, I've got about an hour or two once a week. That's all I've got for this project. Not that I don't love it, but I was like, that that's all I got." And so every now and then Mick, every now and then, Mick will say, "Hey, what about this or what about that?" And I'm like, "I don't know how many times to say it to you, Mick." And and so I haven't been very helpful. I'm really good at this. Chatting stuff? Anything else? I'm terrible at it. Mick, thank God you're doing this. We don't correspond very much during the week. No, you don't. But I've been useless. Like, I'm useless. Anything besides teaching. But
1: you've got a a couple hundred followers or something. So, the least you could do is just tweet something. Come on. All right. Do I have a couple hundred followers? I think so. I can't remember how many. You've got a reasonable amount. So cause I tweeted like Dobo did this little miniature course and check it out on Finding Your Passion. I was like, oh, that'll that'll go great,
0: but no. One person, that's it, and it's you. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what this is what's been happening. I've been presenting for twenty-two years. Like I walked down the street. And people recognise me. I was at dinner last night and the manager, you know, swipes his card and he knows me because he's been in one of my courses and gives me a, you know, significant discount and like it happens everywhere. But I have not structured any way for all those people to be able to find me. Like I'm even my webpage, people try to email me from it, it doesn't work. I have not put and this is this is what I'm going through at forty one, going, Mark, get your shit sorted out. So that you can. Here we are, and the... you're shooting me down. I know, and then I'm going. What do you mean? <laughs> this? Is... <laughs> and because we're online, I can't see your facial reactions. If you were Brad or Ryan saying it to me, uh, they, they, they just kick my ass, going, "You're an idiot." And Ryan pretty much did. And I'm like, "Sorry, sorry."
1: I'm just rolling my eyeballs, mate. There's no facial expression. I <laughs> know. Oh, sorry,
0: mate. All right, I I'll tell you what. Jeez, I want to say, get off
1: your ass and retweet. All right, let's get this
0: thing going. I'll mate. try. I'll try. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good week. Have a good
0: right. weekend, mate, Take uh... care, everybody. Yeah, it's a long weekend here in Australia. <laughs> Woo! Oh, actually, now you'll get this two weeks after. Sorry, guys. Sorry, my bad. All right, see, see ya. you, Mick. Bye. You've been listening to Risking Failure. To join the community and access more free content, news, and updates, subscribe at riskingfailure.com.